You're listening to episode four of Brave and Boss, the podcast. On this week's episode, I'm going to be sharing five plus years of lessons in influencer marketing. So grab your notebook and a pen and get ready to learn a little bit more about this interesting and ever-changing space. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and thank you so much for coming back to listen to our latest episode at Brave and Boss, the podcast. This one is based on five years of lessons in influencer marketing. If we haven't met yet, I'm Christy Sumer, the host of Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm also an e-commerce coach, e-commerce mentor in Marie Forleo's B-School program, as well the founder and CEO of the sustainable fashion brand Encircled. And I have a ton of experience in influencer marketing, and this is something that keeps coming up over and over again as a popular request from uh, my audience on Instagram. So I thought I'd do one about this. I have done an episode on influencer marketing. I did a blog post on it a long time ago, and I think I did a video. Um, I'm going to dig that up and see if I can link to that in the show notes. Um, but for now, I kind of want to talk about the current state of influencer marketing uh, because it changes all the time. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, when I started Encircled in 2012, uh, yeah, 2012, late 2012, 2013, that was like the real emergence of influencers. I mean, Instagram was just coming out, I think in 20, in around 2010, 2011. So you were really starting to see that idea of what we see today as an influencer wasn't really like a thing yet. Um, it was more like bloggers that you were working with and people with lots of Facebook page likes. Um, so it was a totally different landscape. And I would say there was less people um, dubbed as bloggers or quote unquote influencers in the space. So there were more, um, I would say there was more concentration in terms of um influence, if I would say, like there were definitely blogs that were available back then. Like one that I've worked with, with my fashion brand, travel fashion girl. Um, she was pretty big back then. Um, but now she's massive. Um, and her blog was very highly read. I don't know what her stats are now, but, um, massive amount of page views. And I now know the role of the blog has changed quite a bit as well. And a lot of influencers won't have blogs at all, um, which is very unusual because back then it was all about backlinks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's really, really changed. And I would say in the sense that influencers are now a crucial part of the marketing content strategy that you would have for your business. And that applies to small businesses or even large businesses. Um, you're starting to see um, probably like, I would say like three, four years ago, you started to see like larger brands start to partner with influencers before it was a lot of startups. Now you see it kind of ebbs and flows. You Like any trend in marketing, I tend to see, um, you know, the first movers are always kind of the startup brands, the small brands who are willing to try stuff out. Um, whereas when you get to corporate brands, it's typically a little slower for them to move because they have all this approval and all this stuff that you don't think about when you run a small business. But 
when I used to do consulting as this very large sportswear retailer in Canada, I mean, just to post something on Instagram, it had to go through legal and it had to go through all these approvals, like five or six layers of sign-offs to get a post, a single post on Instagram. So that's kind of what you're dealing with when you look at larger um, businesses. So whenever I see a larger business starting to do something, I think that channel is maxing itself out because finally they've discovered this is like a viable channel. That said, with influencers, I think they still definitely have a, an important role in your marketing strategy if you want them to have one. But it's quite a different expectation, at least in my mind, from when I first started working with them. So originally when I first started working with influencers um, back in the day, I mean, this is like eight years ago, um, it was very common for people to just send, reach out to bloggers um, online on their websites. And there were many tools for that that you could like embed in a browser to get a lot of information and kind of do a mass outreach and stuff like that. And mainly you would be offering a product for trade. So you would offer them some product and ask them to review it. Um, or post about it on their blog or on Facebook or whatnot. Um, and oftentimes they would accept and just do it for free. Um, sometimes the more sophisticated bloggers for sure would charge you for something like that, for like a sponsored review or a product placement in a gift guide, that type of thing. But definitely I would say the rates were a lot lower back then um, in terms of what you were paying for, for what you were getting. Um, and it wasn't as sophisticated. So I would say most of the influencers, when I started working with them eight years ago, like taking great pictures, wasn't really their thing. They were just talking about the product in a really authentic way, sharing it with their audience, um, and, and linking back to your website. I'll never forget. I had uh, one travel blogger feature, uh, one of our most popular designs way back and literally that product placement, like she did a review and then I think she pushed it out on our email list and that generated almost like $15,000 in revenue. And I had paid her, I think around $499, which at the time was a lot of money for me. Um, but talk about a monstrous measurable ROI. So that was crazy, but that was also like 2013. Um, now it's a lot different. We used to also get a lot more affiliate revenue back in the day because that kind of stuff was much more popular. I've seen that change a little bit as well. I've seen the affiliate model move more into the press um, PR space actually. Um, and we can talk about that on a different episode, but definitely I don't see a lot of quote unquote influencers now who will just work for product trade or just for affiliate revenue. A lot of them really want something more. And we will also delve into what that more is now. So as I mentioned before, like influencers have really changed, but I've got quite a bit of experience working with them. And so I'm going to try and share firstly, um, a few key lessons I've learned working with influencers, and then we'll get into like what it looks like today. Um, and that's of course just my opinion from working with them, but hopefully you can take something away from that that would be really actionable in your business. So the first thing I think is super important with influencers is you really want to focus on quality over quantity. I've been in situations where we've had people in our working for me who have gone out in mass to seek out influencers and done this kind of like spray and pray approach where they basically send out mass emails and just want to get like somebody responding and send them product and send out as much product as possible. And I think that's a very old school way of doing things. 
Ideally, you want to think of it like you're building a friendship, like any sort of relationship. You want to look into this influencer and see if their values are a fit with your brand and if their content aligns with your brand, if they're, the way they take photos looks like how you would want photos to look for your brand, um, if the styling of the product is kind of in line with your aesthetic. Like all those things need to be taken into consideration. And most importantly, like, do you like their content and what they stand for? That's super key. Um, you don't want to be partnering with somebody who, you know, doesn't share your values or maybe they do share your values, but their photos are awful. So you could never use them anyways. Um, you know, so you have to find that right balance and you only really find that by spending a little bit of time on the front end doing your research about these influencers and looking into them. Um, a lot of them, um, now are much more sophisticated. So they have media kits. So you can reach out to them either on Instagram and DM them or send them a private message on Facebook or email them through their website, um, and get their media kit. And their media kit will typically tell you, um, what their audience is, where they're located, their ages, some demographic information. It may include, you know, a rate card of sorts. So like what they charge for different types of collaborations, let's say. Um, and it may also talk a little bit about past brands they've worked with and some testimonials, that type of thing. Um, and typically it has like reach. So it'll have like the number of unique visitors. If they have a blog, um, they're, Instagram followers, Facebook followers, email subscribers, all that stuff should be in there because you want to really get a sense of how much reach slash influence these people have. Um, So you really want to focus on getting, I think less is more in this space. So you really want to focus on um, really quality influencers who are consistent with their content, who have great content that aligns with your brand um, and that you like. That's really important. We've worked with influencers before that we didn't like and it never works out. Um, so you have to be really picky up front and focus on less is more and really get to know them and spend some time reading their content. And when you do reach out to them, mention a few things like mention a couple of posts that resonated or a couple of blog posts you saw that you really liked, or just generally what they say on their about page, give them a sense, just like anything. Like when you think about people pitching to you or reaching out to you, you want them to feel like they know you. Nothing's worse than when people reach out to me and say like, I want to pick your brain on sustainability. And I'm like, well, that's not really that specific. Like what about sustainability can I help you with? And also like, there's a lot of resources over here you can look at. If somebody reached out to me and said like, listen, I've read, um, you know, a lot of your interviews and I listen to your podcast, but I still can't figure out how you've built this element of sustainability into your business. Do you mind taking like five minutes to answer my questions on Skype? I would say, of course, that's super specific, that ask. But when I get questions like, hey, tell me about your journey, I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Just read about it. I talk about it all the time. Um, so be specific and be specific with your ask too when you're speaking to these influencers. So when you are reaching out, if they don't get back to you right away, follow up with them and ask them a question. Be specific. Um, ask them if they're interested in learning more. Ask them for feedback on your product. Ask them if they're interested in working with you and if they work with brands. Um, not all of them do, but most of them do. I would say 90, probably my experience, 98% of these influencers actually take brand collaborations. That's how they make their money. So um, it's definitely something um, to reach out and ask about. And don't be afraid to negotiate. So a lot of times rate cards are built for um, big brands. I'm not a fan, obviously, of like ripping people off. That's not in my integrity. But, you know, when somebody, when a brand is working with like 
a Unilever versus working with like mom's apple pie shop, like there's a very big difference in budget and stuff like that. So there may be an element of, I would say compassion with that blogger. They'll understand that you're not going to have that budget, but maybe, you know, they'll want to work with you anyways, because you're small and maybe two collaborations down the road, you might be able to pay them more. So there's a lot of ways you can negotiate. So don't be afraid to ask. They may say no. Um, and I've definitely had that happen to me, but you know what? You can respect it and say, you know what? I'll get back to you when I do have the budget or, you know, or you can go ahead and work with them anyways and pay, but always just be very clear upfront about what the terms are and what the exchange is and what they're going to do in terms of, if you do work with an influencer, like what are you going to get from them? Are you going to get a blog post? Are you going to get an Instagram post, Instagram story? Be clear on the timing, how much product you need to give them um, by when they need that. Um, a lot of people have started signing agreements in the space and making up contracts. Um, I will sign them on behalf of our business. Currently, to be honest, we don't have them as a business operations practice, but it's something we're looking into mainly because um, on the back end side of things, um, Sometimes timing becomes an issue with influencers. They don't post at the right time or, um, you know, you want to get really clear on payment terms as well. So how do they like to be paid? And this is really critical because if you're dealing with bloggers outside of your space, um, outside of your country, you need to understand how they get paid. We recently worked with a blogger who preferred to get paid by wire because she was in Scotland and that wire information was wrong that the agency sent us. So the wire got returned. So we got charged a $26 return wire fee. And then we had to resend the wire. So we got charged another $20 fee on like, this is like a $200 bill. Um, but it's our fault for not clarifying up front how they like to get paid. If they had said wire, I probably wouldn't have worked with them in the beginning because wires are very expensive and they can be like very easy to mess up if you get the wrong information. So be clear about everything. If you need an agreement in place, consult a lawyer to get one written up. It doesn't have to be super extensive, but definitely protects all parties and just be really clear about what, you know, what you want from them. Um, and also talk to them a lot about content rights. So, um, some bloggers will be totally okay with you reposting their photos. Some won't be happy with that. Some want you to sign away additional rights to use their photos on your, on your blog or on the website or in ads. So just be really clear. Just think about it like any business relationship that you have to really have all the terms and conditions outlined up front because that will make for a smoother relationship. Nothing's worse than an influencer coming to you and saying like, why is my photo here? I didn't say you could do that. And you'll say, well, I just assumed I could. Um, so again, you want to be kind of um, just as clear as possible, almost over clear if possible. Um, and so what I mean by treat influencers as friends, which I talked about is share their content too, even if it doesn't feature you, like obviously if they're going to tag you and stuff, you want to comment on it and like it and share it on your story. But if they've got a really great blog post, or if they've done an Instagram post that you thought was really bang on, share that. That means a lot and tag them in it. Do those kind of goodwill gestures um, because A, it's a nice thing to do. B, you're promoting content on their blog, which hopefully inevitably will lead to more traffic for them, which will lead to more impactful traffic for your brand when you collaborate with them. But you're also helping like spread their influence as well. So try and do stuff like that too. Um, the other thing that's also nice to do is connecting influencers. So if you know a couple of influencers who would be like, 
really great friends together, perhaps like connect them in an email. Or if you know another brand that might want to work with them, you know, be that facilitator, that networker, that also gets you a lot of goodwill with these influencers. The best influencers we have are ones who are ongoing, who tag us in photos all the time, even though we're not paying them because they love the product. They love what we do and they love working with us. So that's really, really important. Um, so in terms of working with influencers, like let's start, like how do you find them? I guess is a first step. You find them, Google would be a good one, searching hashtags on Instagram, um, creeping other complementary brands to yours or competitive brands and seeing who's tagging them. Um, influencer roundups, again, would be on blogs. Um, that kind of stuff. There's definitely tools out there like that I've used where you, they're like databases of influencers. Not all of them are super updated. So I find just doing some old fashioned, you know, elbow grease work and doing some Googling and stuff like that is really efficient for this. Um, and picking influencers to go after. So like, let's say you're a mom brand. Um, do you just go after mom influencers? That's a really big space. Why not pick a more tighter niche within that space? So there's all different kinds of moms out there. There's moms of like newborns, moms of like toddlers, stepmoms. There's, um, you know, moms who are really into, uh, you know, natural birthing. There's moms who are really into like, you know, bucking the status quo, moms who are authentic and real. Um, like there's so many segments and now that it's such a big industry, you can definitely find influencers in all these segments. So try to be as narrow as possible. Um, so you can test and see if something works. Um, and don't always go with the ones your competitors are using. Try to, I mean, those are good for sure. Like if you see, for example, in our space, if we see another ethical fashion brand working with an influencer, we haven't worked before, we may approach them, but try to expand outside of that space and try to find that blue ocean. Cause sometimes when somebody's working with brands a lot in your space, it's just like feeding the same ecosystem over and over again. You want to look for influencers who aren't working as much with brands. So as an example in your space, so as an example, um, you know, if you have a brand like a home decor brand, like naturally, it would be obvious for you to work with like maybe home decor bloggers or paint bloggers or people who are into crafts. Like that's pretty obvious. There's a connection there, but maybe you want to work with, um, a fashion blogger. Like maybe a fashion blogger takes a lot of selfies in her house. So she's got a, like a backdrop with a shelf and maybe you could really trick out that shelf. So it looks really nice. So try to think outside of the box when it comes to stuff like that, then you'll have less competition. Um, and you'll potentially access new markets too. We talk about that a lot at Encircled about how we can get new customers because the, the niche of ethical and sustainable fashion is very small. It's growing. Um, but it's still most people, 99, I guess 98% of people are still buying non-ethical fashion, let's say. Um, so getting that awareness out there may require working with some bloggers that don't, aren't necessarily hundred percent sustainable just to reach new markets. So really try to think differently here and do a bit of a brainstorm and sit down and think like, you know, what are complementary products that people are buying? So for example, um, if you have a, for example, I'll use my clothing brand. So 
people are buying like ethical shoes. Typically, that's like an interest. So maybe we're going to go after and see what ethical shoe brands, what bloggers they're working with and see if there's differences there. So always be thinking and brainstorming and you can create like a document, a Google Doc or an Evernote. Every time you come across like a great blogger whose content you like, who vibes with you, um, try to put it in a doc and just come back to it later just so you have a bank of people you can choose from. So this is another topic I want to talk about. Like how do you create a system around managing these people. Um, there are CRM, customer relationship management systems for influencers that you can create. Unless you're doing something super sophisticated, a basic Google sheet or Excel sheet will do just fine. I have one and basically like it has a couple tabs. So one tab is just researching. So you put like a bunch of influencers you're researching or just connecting with. Um, and then a tab for like active. So people you're working with or have worked with and try and keep notes on them. Like what product did you send? Save the links that they send you to things that they posted. How much did you pay or how much didn't you pay? What time did they post? And that's a really basic way to kind of get started with influencers. Once you start working with like thousands of influencers, you may need a more sophisticated system. But I think when you're just getting started, a Google sheet is great. If you can get a Google doc going with a couple of pitch templates that you love that you can customize to reach out to influencers, that's another great tool as well. So try and figure out your system and process for doing those pitches. If it helps you, um, put it in your calendar. Put a two-hour block in your calendar every week. Maybe two hours is a lot. Maybe an hour block for follow-ups with past pitches and follow-ups with new pitches um, or get somebody on your team to help with that. So the next thing I want to talk about, and it's definitely not the least important thing, is tracking and measuring these influencers. So you know, especially if you're spending money or giving a lot of product to an influencer, you kind of want to be able to measure what the impact is. Now there's a ton of tools to do this. Um, I personally like to lean on the influencer for helping with this because you can obviously measure your side of the fence, like how many followers you got that week or that day when that influencer posted. Um, but it's getting a little bit harder now that they're hiding likes and stuff like that on Instagram to see you know, the impact of some of your posts. So don't be afraid to ask the influencer for a report on what they did. Like how much reach did they get? How many shares on the post? How many like comments? Like that kind of stuff. Cause you want to be able to track that to see and get a sense of engagement. Um, cause ultimately at the end of the day, influencers are either doing a couple of things for you. I mean, ideally they're driving revenue, but sometimes they're just getting you brand awareness. So they're getting you more reach, which is important too. And sometimes they're just generating content for you. They're just making great photos or videos for you that you can use to show alternative ways to style or um, display your brand or your products and stuff like that, or show them in use from a different perspective and add a level of credibility. So you really need to start out at the beginning when you are working with influencers and define your objectives of what you're trying to get out of it. Um, that's really key. And then measure those objectives they won't always pay off immediately. So, you know, I had somebody purchase from us the other day um, and she said she saw us on an article on this eco blog. We didn't pay to be on there, um, but I know that article that she's referring to and it was written two years ago. That's how she found us. She hasn't made a purchase. We were donating 100% of the profits to the Australian uh, bushfires at Encircle for 48 hours um, earlier this month. And she saw that and she follows us on Instagram. So she started... She wanted to support us during that time, and that was her first purchase. But think about that. That was two years ago that she'd seen us on a blog. So some of these aren't going to be those immediate payoffs, but that consistency and that credibility factor can't be undermined. 
because there's no doubt that like we can style our own photo shoots in our office now at Encircled, but they look a lot more authentic and better when it's an influencer doing it. And it's almost for people who are following these influencers, these influencers become like celebrities to them and they're people they look up to. So if they see them wearing your brand or displaying your brand in your home or drinking your brand, whatever it is, um, they're going to be more likely to think more favorably about your brand. One thing that I think works really well with influencers, um, if you are trying to grow your Instagram reach, is giveaways. Giveaways on Instagram typically do pretty well. Um, like, you know, those ones you typically see where like they post a photo and they have to follow you and follow um, the influencer as well. Those are a great, great way to get likes. Um, but again, it comes down to objectives. So giveaways won't necessarily generate you revenue, but they'll get you more Instagram followers. Is that your goal? Maybe. If it is, great. But if your goal is to get more revenue, then you want to focus on maybe instead giving out like, you know, free shipping for all of their uh, readers or followers or a free bonus item with a purchase. Like you want to really think about that objective and like any sort of marketing campaign, craft that campaign around that objective. All right. I think I've covered off a lot. Um, So I'm going to start wrapping this up because I don't want it to go longer than 30 minutes. But we've talked a lot about influencers and the last thing I guess I didn't really touch on was the role of the influencer. I've touched on it a little bit, but the role of the influencer has definitely changed. So influencers are no longer, you know, somebody posts about it, you get like $10,000 in sales. Maybe Jillian Harris, who some of you may know because she's a pretty big deal. But working with some of those influencers can be very expensive um, and very challenging. They just don't work with anybody, takes a lot of outreach and rejection, connections, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you've heard the stories of like Kylie Jenner being paid like a million dollars for an Instagram post. Like you don't want to be doing that kind of silliness. That's like a lot of money. Um, so, you know, the ways you work with them really depends on your brand and again, what your objectives are. But for me, I really like to work with influencers who reach new audiences, who have great content that they'll let us repost because that's really important. Um, and we will pay for those partnerships if we feel like we're getting good quality of content. Um, we're not going to pay $10,000. That's crazy, but I'm okay to pay an influencer, you know, two, $300 and give them some product. If they're going to give me, you know, 20 photos I can like use. Amazing. That's great. A photo shoot to take those photos would have cost me way more than that. So really try to think about the role that an influencer would play in your business. And again, like it really varies based on your product. I get a lot of questions like, what should I do for my brand to grow? Da, 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 da you know, it, it depends is always the answer. It depends on your objectives. It depends on the stage of your business, what you're trying to do. Um, but if you're just launching your business, getting some like brand awareness and trying to coordinate that influencer, um, campaign is really important. So I found just as a best practice, even with like later stage companies, if you're launching a product or anything else like that, the more coordinated the posts and all that kind of stuff can be with other influencers, the better because the more impactful that will have, because hopefully they have some crossover and audience, and then they'll start to see your brand over and over and over again, and it'll start to break through more. Um, the last thing I think I want to talk about just a little bit is samples. Um, so product samples are always like a must for influencers. You don't want them talking about your brand, not having tried it or experienced it. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel authentic. Um, and so for some brands, that can be a big hindrance. 
I always recommend making samples for influencers. If you're a fashion brand, try and build that into your timeline. Maybe get a contract sewer to do it or something like that, or a sample sewer. Yes, it's going to cost you more money, but having that product in their hands before you launch is so good. So make efforts to get those in their hands before you launch as much as possible. All right. So those are my quick 30 minutes of lessons of probably eight years of influencer marketing. If you guys have any questions, please hit me up at Brave and Boss on Instagram. I'd love to expand more and I'd be happy to ask, answer your questions in an Instagram story or something like that. If you love this podcast, please just hit a rating in the podcast store. It's super easy. You just scroll to the bottom and hit five stars if you're feeling it. Um, it just helps me get seen in the podcast and helps me help more people like you. All right. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.